to throw, looking, deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, no practice updates, but we are bridging the gap between the Dolphins going back on the practice field Wednesday in Chicago. We'll have coverage from Bears Camp for you, but today we preview that trip up north. We go back to the mailbag for a few of your questions, get my five comprehensive takeaways from the first 10 days of camp so far and we'll quickly cover the Dolphins assistant coaches media availability on Monday afternoon all of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex this is the Drive Time Podcast that's another Miami Dolphins so on to Chicago the team departs on Tuesday for practice on Wednesday and Thursday with an off day on Friday and a game on Saturday, the 2021 preseason opener in Chicago, 1 o'clock Eastern time. You can watch that on CBS4 down here in Miami. You can also catch that on the NFL Network on Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern. The Chicago Bears offer some fun matchups, and the first one I'm looking at here, well, the number 11 pick in the draft, first-round quarterback Justin Fields, who is so, so crazy talented, and I think that he gives the Dolphins a couple things to look at gives the pass rush a good opportunity to work on their eye discipline because we have seen him both at Ohio State and so far at Bears Camp from the videos I've seen on social media and the like that you're going to have to find a way to not just rush the spot where the quarterback is, but anticipate where he might be. You always have to keep your head up, your eyes up, because you can't just rush to the spot behind the offensive line where the quarterback is supposed to be because Fields can get off that spot, and he has shown that time and time again in training camp, again, based on social media videos that I have seen. Obviously, you can't contact the quarterback, you can't hit him, but it is a good opportunity to work on that eye discipline and the rush target point. It also helps the defense work on the back end on plastering when the quarterback breaks the pocket Good practice for a guy like, for instance, Josh Allen in Buffalo, who does plenty of of outside-of-the-pocket work, and the receivers can create open space that way after the play breaks down, after the quarterback breaks the pocket. Now, the Bears' offensive line has been really banged up through camp so far. Both Tevin Jenkins as well as Jermaine Effetti have been out for a while, and Larry Borum, another tackle, has missed the last couple of practices, I should say. And I was hoping to get a good look at all those guys, but either way, we get a chance to watch how this Dolphins pass rush comes at this Bears offensive line against a new offensive line because Miami has been really finding different ways to apply pressure with so many different names and rushers. And we've talked about this throughout the course of the podcast for the last two weeks, whether it's Andrew Van Ginkle or Emmanuel Ogba or Brennan Scarlett off the outside or Jerome Baker from that off-ball linebacker position or Bernardrick McKinney or all those stout defensive tackles up front like a Christian Wilkins or a Adam Butler or Zach Sealer or Raekwon Davis. I'm curious to get a look at how the Dolphins' depth on the defensive front goes up against a new offensive line. Another injured Chicago Bear is safety Eddie Jackson, one of the game's very best. And I was curious to get a look at how Tua and the quarterbacks worked off of that safety, as so often the case is that the safety kind of not 
tells you where the defense is going to go or the coverage or whatever it might be, but it's a good indicator a lot of the time for the quarterback to work off of. I wanted to see how they would work off of him as well as Tashawn Gibson, but both of those guys have missed some practices here of late. We'll see if they're back on the field this week. Hopefully they are. We'll get you an update on that on Wednesday in the post-practice drive time podcast. Now the Bears front is where I'm most intrigued to watch our guys get some work because you know about Khalil Mack, and he's a good test for working on the fundamentals and the techniques that Coach Flores harps on. Because if you're not right, if you're not square, if you're out over your skis, if you're leaning in one direction, he's going to run right through you and put you on your back. So it'll be a good opportunity for these guys to get multiple looks against other rushers that have some of the traits and some of the accomplished resumes of a guy like Khalil Mack. Also the same is true up front of Akeem Hicks. He's been a pocket collapser for a long time in the National Football League. And I'm curious to see where the run game works off of Roquan Smith, who's been one of the best linebackers, Mike linebackers, I should say, in the NFL as well. And then finally on offense, the Bears, they have two exceptional route runners and Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Demir Bird can fly. Marquise Goodwin can flat out fly. He's an Olympian or Olympian qualifier. So how do they communicate and how do they match up in the back end against two exceptional route runners and two burners and, of course, some other receivers there that bring some pop and some juice to that roster as well? That'll be fun to watch. That's looking ahead. Now I want to go back to the first 10 days of practice and give my five general takeaways so far. And number one, we start at the quarterback position, the growth of the second-year quarterback in his first training camp here in Miami. You've seen him on the top performers list quite frequently on the Drive Time podcast to a tongue of Iloa, and we've covered it so much on the podcast, I don't want to get repetitive here. Let's just go ahead and quickly go down the checklist of the things I've been most impressed with from Tua, from the Dolphins' second-year quarterback, from QB1 through his first 10 practices here. Number one, the accuracy. We talked about that Brian Dayball quote. We talked about some of the instances where DBs are in great position, but the ball is just located where only the receiver can get to it. And the also yak it has created after the catch for guys to have an opportunity to run through the football and intersect with that pass and take yards after the catch. Also the different pitches in the tool bag, whether it's throwing a lofty ball to the back pylon or driving a deep out from the far hash or ripping a slant into you know between a couple of defenders in coverage or throwing that seam route over the linebacker, under the safety. He's shown the ability to throw different passes, different pitches, and really vary those throws based upon what the coverage, what the route, and what the timing of the play looks like. The footwork to allow him to manipulate the defense with the body, to move guys based upon where his position is. The eyes to do the exact same, whether it's pulling a safety out of the middle of the field or moving a linebacker when he moves outside the pocket to create space for a tight end. The command of the huddle, like Mac Hollins mentioned at his last press availability, how wrangling 10 guys and Mac said, you know, I'm in there talking trash to the defense, poking my head out. He has to wrangle me in. It's not as easy as you might think it is. And then finally, the spirit, the celebration of guys making big catches like Isaiah Ford, who made a great diving catch on a throw from Tua on Sunday's practice. And he runs down there and gets pumped up and celebrates with him. Or on the mic'd up edition we had on Twitter earlier this week, or on our social campaigns, I should say, that he was very excited about a long run by Miles Gaskin, very encouraging with his teammates. And that goes back to a video that when I was doing the 2019 scouting process of all the quarterbacks that year, you know, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, all those guys in that class. One of the videos of Tua was a handoff and a touchdown where he, you know, doesn't, he's not involved in the play because he hands it off and he gets away from the action. And you see him pump his fist and really get excited about the touchdown run of, I think it was Najee Harris at the time. You see some of that here so far in Dolphins practice as well. And then I want to just mention how 
Armando Salguero tweeted out about how Tua looks in total command of the offense and has had a great camp. Good praise there from a longtime Miami Dolphins beat writer at the Miami Herald. Number two takeaway so far is the upstart offensive line. I look at this group that has seen a fair amount of investment over the last couple of years with Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, Solomon Kinley, Michael Dieter, uh, Larnell Coleman this year as well in the draft. And, you know, Jackson, Eichenberg, and Hunt have been starters for a significant portion of camp, or at least opening the practice on the first string, right, with the ones. And that's been reported by the beat guys as well. So nothing breaking there. But between those guys getting their work in and then Liam Eichenberg being included on that front team as well, that first team as well, and the work he's done to get work in the run blocking, the pass blocking, to see different looks and different fronts and get a chance to really just put his work in here I think that's very valuable for what this offensive line needs to be this year and going forward into the future. And I think all three of those guys have shown some pop in that regard. Michael Dieter, for a guy that, and Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre talked about this in his press availability, how to go from a guy that starts 15 games as a rookie, doesn't start a game in his second year, and the mental fortitude to come back in year three and compete and know that this isn't my opportunity, I'm not going to ever take it for granted. Not that he did, but I'm not taking this opportunity for granted. And you see that way in the way he works out there on the practice field. And then also Larnell Coleman earning some reps and having some quality practices out there so far in his first season. Solomon Kinley bouncing around and showing the grit that you loved a year ago. Lemuel Jean-Pierre touched on this as well at his press conference, how we know how aggressive and physical he is and how hard he works. And that's just kind of the mindset and makeup of the entire room. So I'm curious to get a look at these guys in game action, but so far to see the options and the youth they have in that position, it's a nice a nice place to start for the Miami Dolphins on the offensive line. Number three, the pass catcher log jam. I mean, we look at this position group and Jalen Waddell has had such a good camp so far where there's lots of times where he's just really difficult to cover and how he has so many different routes and tools in the arsenal for what he can do. Albert Wilson back to full form and playing really, really good so far this camp with big plays, sure-handed catches. Jakeem Grant having, for my money, his best training camp I've seen, and he's a guy that has had some great camps the last two years as well. Robert Foster, Isaiah Ford have made big play after big play. Kirk Merritt catches everything Reed Sinnett throws to him, as well as Jacoby Brissett. Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry catching passes and making guys miss on the regular, and both those guys have such unique skill sets. The takeaway for me here is that you have your choice to go into the season really however you want to. You want a bunch of trees? You got it. It's fine. Tall guys and, and rebounders. We got those guys. Want to go pure speed and litter the field with speed merchants? No problem. That's doable too. Want a combination of the two? That's my preference personally. Boom. It's there for you. And Omar Kelly tweeted this, speaking of longtime beat writers, that he's never seen so many explosive plays out here at a Miami Dolphins training camp, and he's been doing it for nearly 15 years. And that's without Will Fuller all but one day. That's without Devontae Parker for the majority of the practices. That's without Mike Gesicki for the last week or so. And those three guys combined last year for 169 receptions, 2,375 yards, and 18 touchdowns. So, You have three really proven players on your roster that just have not been available that much so far for training camp, and they're still making plays. So that logjam at the pass catcher position, it's a good problem to have. The fourth takeaway here is defensively, no complacency after the year they had finishing first and third down defense and first in takeaways, sixth in scoring, and you know the drill by now, 10th in sacks. The numbers were all there for the Dolphins defense a year ago, and you add Javon Holland, who looks as advertised so far with the range and the playmaking skills and the three takeaways in the last three practices, but also getting a guy like Jason McCourty to help 
the transition and that learning curve. And John Jenkins talked about how Brian Flores allows players to be players and empowers guys to take on those leadership roles, kind of a self-policing aspect of each room, how I'm going to hold you accountable, I'm going to hold myself accountable, and you do the same for me and for the rest of your peers and your teammates. The Justin Coleman edition, and he battles a guy like a Nick Needham, for instance, who has sack and ball production over his first two years in the league, and really pretty much every day in practice as well. The obvious emphasis on making sure Xavier Howard is back here and the ability to recreate the vision of the defense to be aggressive in coverage and ask them to only have to cover for a couple of seconds because you found a way to create blitz packages that can get pressure on the quarterback instantly and force them into quick decisions. Then obviously the additions of Benardrick McKinney and Adam Butler and what they've meant to make the interior of the defense even stronger. And Coach Flores has talked about signal callers down the middle of the field, your safeties, your linebackers, your center, your quarterback, and I include defensive tackles in that middle portion of the field. And Miami has just beefed up so strong in that area. I mean, 10 guys on your defense down the middle of the field, you look at them on paper and you say, that's a good group right there. Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, Adam Butler, Bernardrick McKinney, Jerome Baker, Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones, Javon Holland. I mean, a collection of players that you really put the resources and allocated your, your, your those resources into those positions, and you look at it on paper, and it looks pretty good. Jalen Phillips hasn't practiced in a while, but when he does, you could see the juice out there, and his versatility helps open up more fronts to put even more on the table for guys like Brian Flores and Josh Boyer to go to. And the growth of year three players like a Andrew Van Ginkle, for instance, or Vince Beagle, who's not in year three, but comes back from an AC, uh, Achilles injury last year and looks fantastic. Brandon Scarlett having a good camp. Duke Riley's speed is noticeable. Shaquem Griffin, speaking of spirit, he's got plenty of that, but also some speed off the edge as a pass rusher too. So to me, on paper, the defense looks better than it did last year, but the games are not played on paper. But that's the takeaway so far is seeing these guys in camp kind of apply these new changes to the defense. It's been fun to watch. My fifth takeaway is the intensity on special teams, and you promote Danny Crossman to assistant head coach after finishing sixth last year in DVOA on Football Outsiders special teams rankings. You added Michael Pilardi, who looks like a master directional kicker so far and has been consistently skying kicks with five seconds of hang time, angling them towards the sideline and checking balls up at the five-yard line. You also add Jalen Waddle to Jakeem Grant, Noah Ignogany, and the explosive return men this team already had to go along with Jalen Waddle. Guys like Mac Hollins, Sam Egwavon, Durham Smythe being such core special teams players and guys that over the years have made plays on those that unit, but also in camp so far, making plays on offense and defense, getting rewarded for the work they put in, which requires, you know, another layer of your job to go on special teams and perform on that side of the football as well. And they do it without even asking a question, without missing a beat. Jason Sanders, doesn't miss field goals. He's missed, I think, two in camp so far. He had one the other day as well we didn't talk about, but two missed field goals all of camp just never happens. Blake Ferguson's name never comes up, and that's a great thing for a long snapper. I don't think I've seen him miss a snap so far this year or last year in practice, at least as far as the ball getting away from anybody. He'll tell you he's got to be perfect with every snap. I don't, I can't see that from my vantage point, but he's been really good in my opinion. And of course, from yesterday's podcast, Michael Pilardi on the intensity of the coaching staff and how that matches his preferred method of coaching and the results that's had on the special teams as a whole. So those are the five takeaways so far. We've got plenty more to get to and, uh, you know, the rest of training camp. And you guys can check out MiamiDolphins.com where we have 
five training camp takeaways. Every two or three practices or so, we'll do that updated notebook piece. The last one posted on August 9th on Monday, so go back and check that out. And of course, catch up on all the podcasts you missed so far here on Drive Time. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff for us here on the podcast. But intensity on special teams, the lack of complacency or going forward without complacency on defense this offseason, the pass catcher log jam, the upstart offensive line, and the year two jump for Tua Tonga Vailoa. Some takeaways so far. And real quick before we get to the mailbag and before we do this penultimate segment here on the podcast, I'll be using these quotes in later pods because, like I said, it's just too much to get into one right now. And I'd like to have a little more time to organize it all as it pertains to the action we get on the football field. I like telling the story from the coaches on the field and tying that stuff together. But every one of the Dolphins' assistants met with the media on Monday afternoon, and there was a ton of really good content just from the quote-unquote scrum that I was around, and they're not scrums. It's two or three of us behind a rope, you know, distance from the coaches at a time. But here's some of the good stuff I heard. First, I said last year that I could listen to Gerald Alexander, Coach GA, talk football for hours and really all day. And the same is true of Charles Burks and, frankly, a lot of the coaches on this staff who I've had the pleasure of speaking to for more than just a cup of coffee, which is most of the guys. But Burks talked a lot about guys in his room, and we got into conversations about guys like Javaris Davis and how Javaris's path is one of overcoming adversity with regards to his NFL career. Undrafted, signs with Miami, cut by Miami after signing with someone else originally, re-signs with Miami on the practice squad for a year and now competing in a loaded defensive backfield. Coach Burks touched on how confidence is a key for Javaris Davis. He talked about how having a guy like Nick Needham in the room can show these guys that you can go the UDFA route to be not just making a roster, but be a guy that plays and contributes. But he also talked about, and this was my favorite part of the entire day, how the culture in the room is great. And it starts with the fact that Xavier Howard and Byron Jones work the way you'd expect a UDFA who has to outwork everybody. Those guys work that way. And it has a avalanche type of impact on that room as far as how everybody else works in that snowball effect. I also asked coach about the mindset of the position and how the requirement for those guys to be wired a certain way because it's a position where you can have 60 great reps in a game and then the one that gets behind you is the one that everybody remembers and in some instances really changes the outcome of football games late in the game at least from the outsider perspective like that one play cost him right we know that's not the case but sometimes that's how perception can be and he talked about controlling his emotions in those moments because if he panics that's going to make the players panic is he's kind of a reflection of those players being the guy that leads up the room so he talked about staying even in those moments what a fun chat that was with coach burks i also talked to ga about the value of balance in his room with the safeties and the dbs in general with the vets and young guys and i asked him if having brandon jones here who just went through a rookie season is beneficial for a guy like javon holland who's going to go through his own rookie season now this year next month starting with the the game against the bears on saturday and he said javon had the benefit of otas and the value of those offseason practices should not be undersold thought that was good what else uh had a great chat with lemuel john pierre I asked him about playing multiple positions, and I asked him how he would compare going from left tackle to left guard, where you change position, but you stay on the same side of the field, compared to going from left tackle to right tackle, where it's the same position, but different side. And he talked in depth about how, in his experience, there are these minor differences that can have a big impact, like how you align in your stance, and how you might have to rework your mechanics and technique because of that slight difference in the stance, or something of that nature. I asked him, coach, you guys work in individuals and fundamental drills on the other side of the field. I'd love to get a closer look. And we both kind of laughed about that. 
But I asked him, what are you trying to get out of those periods? And I loved his answer. He said that he's trying to make it as hard on those guys as he possibly can and strain them, and he wants them to grind to take advantage of not just the situation of training camp, but also the tough summer down here in South Florida. And it makes things easier once, or you know, as easy as you possibly can on game day. And that's really a theme across the entire coaching staff: make practice harder than the games. I love Coach's answer there. I talked to Coach Campanelli for a bit, but mostly about family and food. He's just such a good guy. I gave him an Italian restaurant recommendation. He gave me one. Then we talked some football as well, and he noted the way Bernardrick McKinney and Jerome Baker have different body types. As my question referred to how they complement one another. But he also said the commonality there is the way they both work, the way they're both in their playbooks all the time. They don't take a rep or a drill for granted. Just really good stuff there from the coaches talking about some of their guys. And like I said, I'll come back and circle back to this when I get some more time for some full quotes, full audio, and applicable events that occur on the football field to tie it all together. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with some of your questions on the Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill by now. Been doing this for a long time now. I put the call out on Twitter. You reply with your questions. I get to as many as I can. And if you want to get to the front of the line, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Make it a five-star. You'll get a question answered sooner that way. I promise you that much. And we'll answer those questions first. Today, we don't have any new ones, so we're going right to the Twitter mailbag that I posted on Sunday evening. And we start here with this question from at five Ironman on Twitter. Is Dokes flashing at all, getting reps and pass protection? Really curious to see if he can carve out a role for himself. Well, as far as pass protection, yes, every running back gets reps in pass pro. But I thought he had some really good runs on Sunday in both goal line and team period where he had to really show some of the physicality of his game to drop the shoulder and get into you know, get into the gap and meet the linebacker there and drop that shoulder and, and plow forward ahead. And he ran through some arm tackles. Like if you don't bring, if you don't square him up and bring the whole load, he's going to bounce off those tackles. We saw that at Cincinnati. I thought we saw that a few times here in training camp so far as well. So I thought he's had some good work there so far in his first camp. And speaking of his first camp, this next question comes in from at Kevin James Terma. His question is, is Waddle the most productive rookie receiver you have seen while reporting on the Dolphins? And, I, you know, productive is a tricky word there because I haven't played any games yet, and you have to, you know, put numbers on the board to produce in games. But as far as what he's done in practice, Preston Williams in 2019 was really explosive and made a bunch of big plays down the field. But the way Waddle has not just made plays down the field, the way he creates separation in short order, the way... He puts defenders in such conflict the way you can really use him in a multitude of ways. I just think that he's he's got a chance to continue doing what he's been doing so far at practice. And if he does that and carries it into games and produces that type of production in games, then we'll be having a good player on our hands here. But so far, yeah, he's looked really explosive and been a lot of fun to watch. Next question here from Travis Moore, at Moore for me on Twitter. What is the best surprise you've seen so far out of training camp? Surprise, again, tough wording here, but Sam Egwavon was a guy that we knew last year is a really quality special teamer, but the way he's been playing at linebacker so far in training camp and the, the speed at which he plays, because you go back to 2019's camp, he was making plays all over the field. I talked about some of the collisions he made that year in camp where he would just, you could hear the pads popping from way up in press row, and we saw that translate into his ability as a pass rusher, the way he kind of plays in coverage, but now... I think the instincts, the trigger, the way he's playing, the confidence, I think it's all improving for him so far in training camp right now. And he's making so many plays out there. You look up and 49 is involved in in just about everything. Another guy is Kirk Merritt. I mean, we talked about the depth of this receiving core. 
if to really put yourself in position to earn promotions and earn more reps and earn the right to to play with you know the second team after coming up from the third team and the depth of all this all the talent they have in that room he stood out in that room and that to me is tough to do and for a guy that was an undrafted free agent last year like we talked about with Javaris Davis who also has been very good in this camp he'll be on that list as well to do that to make that climb to make that jump that to me is a bit of a surprise but a very good one you have there next one here from I am at I am Mermandy I've seen several reports on Tua hanging onto the ball a tad too long can you comment on that well Training camp is different than games, and the red jersey is different than when you're not in a red jersey because if there is a sack on a particular play, then you still have the entirety of that rep to work through it and get through your progression and find the extra work. We talked about this on a podcast a while ago. Like If they get the sack, okay, their work is done, but you can still find work. You can still give your receiver a chance to uncover or to make a catch or a DB to make a play on the football. And quite frankly, even with all that said, I... I don't think so. I I think the ball's coming out quick a lot. That's kind of a design of what Tua does well. I mean, I talked about this in the podcast the other day about the two-minute offense or some of the pops to guys like Mac Hollins or Jalen Waddle over the middle. Tua's, one of his strengths is the blackjack dealer type of delivery he has to get that thing out of his hands very quickly and the recognition pre-snap to say, okay, that's the weak spot in the zone. I'm going to go ahead and throw the football right here, right away. I've seen that countless times, so I don't really see it that way personally. Next question here from... Magic Mike at Yates is great. Quick questions. What starters play against Chicago? Coach said there's a plan in place for that, but he hasn't revealed it yet, so I cannot give you an answer. I appreciate the question, though, Mike. Uh, We'll find out on Saturday. Next question here comes in from at Kyle the Commish. And I just read this to say what kind of beer is best, and now I'm realizing you said what kind of bear is best, as in Dwight K. Schrute. Obviously, Black Bear is best, Battlestar Galactica as well. But I'm going to go ahead and answer the beer question, too, because why not? There's a a beer up in, it's brewed in Bend, Oregon, I believe, called Mirror Pond from Deschutes. I think it's Bend, Oregon. That's like my favorite beer. I also am a big fan of of, uh, Mexican beers as well. Modelo and Dos Equis are two of my favorites as well. I'm not a big beer drinker, though. More, More of a whiskey guy. Next question here is from... Tony Figueroa at Tony Fig CIS. What's the schedule for this week with travel and joint practices? I believe I talked about this, but just to go ahead and reiterate, Wednesday and Thursday practice in the morning. We'll have Coach Flores presser as well as some player media, and then we'll have the game on Saturday for you guys as well with podcasts and written stories and all that fun stuff coming to you from Chicago. Next question comes in from Adonis Huslam at Adonis Huslam on Twitter. You talked about throwing to a spot for Tua being a strength this camp. Do you think that is due to more comfort in the system or chemistry with the receivers? Also, how is teething going for your little one these days? Well, she's getting better. I just dropped her off at daycare for the first time today. Her mom has been doing it the per- last week, and it was tough, man. Like You have to rip the cord and get out of there because she cries, and I was really, really, really tough on dad. I had a really hard time this morning with that. As far as Tua, the stuff you probably want to hear more about, um, she's sleeping better too, by the way, so we're finally getting some sleep in the household, but I was looking forward to Chicago because now I can sleep a full eight hours, which haven't had that in a long, long time now, but your, your Tua question about throwing to spots and if it's more comfort in the system or chemistry with the receivers, well, remember, this is a new system, and they've talked about how the offense has been designed for these particular players and how it's kind of a different scheme this year. I think it's just I think it's just Tua being more of what I knew from Tua as far as the prospect that he was in college and 
Not to say that his rookie year was some different player, because I thought Tua had a lot of really good moments last year as a rookie. I mean, he won six of the nine starts and had a lot of big plays and big throws and big-time moments, and that Arizona game happened. Like, people seem to forget about that. He was fantastic in the start of the Chargers game. He had some big moments against the Patriots and the Bengals and the Chiefs late in the year, too. But what I saw in his tape as a college prospect was anticipation, understanding leverage, and that's the biggest thing in football. Like Leverage is everything in football for an offensive lineman to know where he can kind of lean or anchor and put his post against a pass rusher. For a running back, where the block is going to line up, not where it is right now, but where it will be when you hit the hole. For a quarterback to know that cornerback has his back turned to the sideline, I've got a guy running behind him, I can throw behind him because he can't get there. Or there's a great clip from Who's the quarterback that does the, the YouTube video stuff? Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins references him all the time. I'm drawing a total blank, but he does the quarterback film room, and he showed a play where Tua last year against the Cardinals rolled and found Mike Gesicki on a over route, and the linebacker is running and chasing the Mike Gesicki, and he's got his back turned to Tua, and although he's right in front of Mike, he can only defend the width of his shoulders because his back is turned. So understanding what the defense's capability is was always a strength of Tua's game to me. And I think that's the result of throwing the football to a spot and saying, I can put it there. My guy's going to be there in a second and the defense can't get there because of where they're aligned right now. And the way that all happens so quickly and so fast, it certainly will be better in your second year with more reps and more experience and more feel for the speed of the game. So it's a combination of things, but I hope that answers it pretty good. This question from CJ at Despondito. How different schematically is the offense compared to last year? Do you think they average more points this year? Yeah, I think they'll average more points. I'm not going to tell you a damn thing about the scheme, though, because I want to win football games, and I'm not telling you. I don't want anyone to hear that. So sorry, CJ, but that's against the rules to report. I'm not going to not going to go into that. Next question here from at Jim Lovenguth. I got to ask about the limp question. How is Jalen Waddle looking well, Coach asked answered that question at his press conference on Sunday, I think it was, saying that, you know, he's been through not at that point nine training camp practices, now ten, and he hasn't missed any, but it's it's tough on guys out there. I mean, two hours in that heat every single day, working through it, getting your sea legs back under you, getting back into football shape. He attributed that to just some general wear and tear from training camp. And I mean, I, I talked about it on the podcast, like the story to me is the fact that he's catching a ton of balls for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. That's that's what matters most to me. So that really is my biggest and only concern with how Jalen and how he's progressing so far in his rookie training camp. All right, let's go ahead and cut it off right there. A nice, short, and sweet podcast for you guys today. That's going to be my time. The next time I talk to you, will be coming from Chicago, from the Windy City, my first time out there. My wife says it's more humid in Chicago than it is here. I don't buy that for a half of a second, but I guess I'll find out. But we're going to be coming to you from Chicago. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. They have a new episode of Blake Ferguson coming out on Tuesday. Should be already out for you guys on your podcast providers. Also, check out MiamiDolphins.com. We have four training camp notebooks up for you right now. The latest one came out on Monday. So check that out. In the meantime, until next time, fins up.